Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest sitting on our couch on a thir- thir- Thursday. Today thurs- is Thursday. Thursday afternoon. Friday, Junior. In Toronto. <laughs> got a little bit of uh, some Star Wars playing in the background today. It's a little bit different. Oh, T- yeah. Took the comedy out. Got rid of Pineapple Express and substituted in for Anakin over here. I think I've mentioned this before that uh, when Mark and I first met, I uh, we were had a probably only been dating a few months. Yeah, we did had been because I was still living with my parents. And he said to me, "Have you ever seen Star Wars?" Because of course it's his favorite movie. And I was like, so, "Actually, it's up there." I was like, "Actually, I I haven't. Like, I've probably seen like bits and pieces if somebody's watching it, but no, I've never actually like watched a full episode of Star Wars." I don't know how I didn't get like girlfriend of the freaking millennium for this. We sat in my bedroom at my parents' house and watched all six episodes in order back to back. This is when there were six oh of them. Yeah. yeah, when there were six of them many, many years ago. All six back to back. I enjoyed myself. Like the story was good. It was all fun and whatever. But after watching all six, like I felt like I'm good. I'm done. I know the story now. But he likes to rewatch these. Every time he puts it on, I'm like, oh, okay. Again. Sure. I don't <laughs> I don't really care. Sorry. Sorry to all the Star Wars fans out there that now hate yeah, me. Yeah, it's just the way I feel about <laughs> it's the way I feel about Shit's Creek. Haven't we seen this fucking show already? Didn't we see this episode already? Yeah, it's true. He's like not a fan and it's I'm not, obsessed I'm not, with that. It's show. not it's not that I'm not a fan. I enjoy the program when it's on I just won't hunt it out I won't go search for it to put it on if it happens to be on the television and there's nothing else that I want to see on then fine that's true like when you're watching Star Wars sometimes I'll sit here and watch it with you but I would never be like I really want to watch that episode of Star Wars again Eh, I don't really care that much I only watch the the originals to be completely honest I've never watched any of the newer newer Star Wars I've only ever seen the originals sat there with my you dad you know what they get a lot of they get a lot of bad rap they're they're just as good or just as bad as the uh, as all the other ones yeah. right so I anything you didn't them. anything you didn't like about the originals you're not going to like the same concepts with the newer ones anything gotcha. you don't like about the newer ones you technically shouldn't like the same concepts with the originals right so if you're annoyed by say like Jar Jar Binks in this particular episode then you probably should have been annoyed by the Ewoks I loved those little guys exactly <laughs> so if you love those little guys, you might enjoy that, right? And if you hate this, you might also hate the Ewoks. But anyway, which way? I did read something recently. I'll I'll stop with the Star Wars stuff in a minute. But I did read yeah, something a bunch recently of that, that I that I agreed with. Talk to me about fashion. Nah, no fascia. Um, I agreed with. Um, there was this article about like specific uh, either scenes or storylines from like really big movies that like kind of killed it for you and they brought up i don't even remember which movie it was now but when uh kylo ren and what's her face what's the girl oh my god i'm losing my my mind ray when they kiss Uh, i felt like adam driver's ugly to you is that why it was nothing about how they looked it was everything about like i felt like the relationship between them didn't need to take that turn so i was like yeah no i didn't like that 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 didn't need to be there but anyway i enjoyed the new ones but i think it was also the whole event surrounding them it always came out around christmas so i would buy him tickets for christmas and put them in a stocking and we would go it's so funny the stuff that people hate so for example i was listening to quentin tarantino talk about reservoir dogs and they did it through miramax that's that's who um the studio was and he was talking to joe rogan about the movie joe rogan was pretty much saying was there anything about the script and the violence and stuff that the studio said 
forget it. You can't. You can't have this in." And Quentin Tarantino was like, "The only because like, because on script the violence doesn't come out the same. Obviously, is when you're when you're actually filming, right, and editing. So when you're describing a violent scene in a script, it, it's not nearly as graphic. But he said the one thing that they said was the scene where that dude's ear got cut off. Apparently, the heads of Miramax were like, "This will turn off." all female viewers like you are you are automatically going to lose a massive part of your audience by having this and then quentin tarantino was like nope i'm keeping this in too bad and then weinstein at the time was it weinstein yeah guy that's in jail right now Mm -hmm. yeah he was like after like a massive pause okay fun we'll leave it in but just remember it's miramax that left it in for you in other words he's still taking ownership of like okay well yeah that was your decision but we're gonna make it sound like it was our decision Anyway, I thought that was interesting. But anyway, there's what been more. About? There's been more scenes than one that you movie, can do without. There's been more more than one movie where somebody loses an ear, and I. But I've got to agree. The bottom I'm line is not a fan. It's I can't. I can't stop cutting people's ears. I off. can't stand the I whole. Mind. I can't I stand mind. the whole censorship thing or the whole like who is this one person or this 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 couple people in a boardroom trying to decide like what will an audience like or not like like this will turn off people and apparently it fucking didn't right? well, especially saying something as broad as this will turn off all. Female Female viewers, our guest, whom we have yet maybe, to introduse, maybe I got doesn't wrong, mind the ears being cut off. No, I'm I not like a fan. the gore. It's just the it's, okay with me. It's just so funny to me, though. Like even our podcast, the way it rolls out. Like if we were to tell a bunch of people, like, yeah, this is what we do, and we sit around, and we talk about stuff, and this, like, no one wants to hear that. Like, you know how many times we got that to be like, no one would want to hear that. Like, oh, really? You don't think so? Well, guess what? Yeah, here exactly. we are. So imagine you, you every time you had an idea of something, you were creative, you had an idea, and you just had the wrong person chirping in your ear, you shut it down. It's Fuck. true. I have experienced that re- recently was quite a segue, bit. Eh? Yeah. Good segue. Good segue. That was yeah. a great segue. Well, hey, everyone. Great it's Amanda. Segue. I'm going to finally introduce our guest. Sorry. The lovely Tara is here, who's a registered massage therapist. And um, her and I have actually never met face to face. We've spoken over the phone, we but have. we've never met in person. How is this yeah. possible? I, because anytime she has been here, it, only you have been yeah. here. We've never met face to face. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I know who she is, and we've talked over the phone. We have. This is literally the first time we're meeting. I guess I should have said <laughs> nice to meet you, but Hi, I felt like I already nice knew you. you. <laughs> so Tara's here to talk about her story. I can't remember. Did did you? We were talking on Facebook. Sorry, I smoked too much weed. I don't remember anything. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we were talking on Facebook. This is super late night, wasn't it? I, or was it super early morning? You know, I didn't sleep a whole lot. I was sleeping like three hours a night. Right. So. I can't remember quite I what feel time like it this was, was, but I it's probably feel, really early or I, really, really late. Exactly. I feel like it was like <laughs> one of those times where it's either three in the morning or four in the morning, which is either really, really late or it's yeah. really, really early. It's yeah. one of those. That's true, because sometimes you get up at three I'm or up. four. I was yeah. up. I was up, you know, just messing around on my phone. And then you sent me a message and I was like, I just I guess I'll start a conversation at three in the morning. <laughs> Let's go for it. Because to me, there's no boundaries with with social media and and messaging and stuff. Like to me, that's different than a text. Yeah. Right. Getting a text at three in the morning is like, why are you texting me at three in the morning? For sure. Getting a message from on Instagram or Facebook or whatever the case is to me, that's 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 not a deal at all. People Anyways, send those when they think of them. Yeah. So we're having this conversation, and I can't remember if you said I've got a podcast idea or you were just telling me about your shit in in typical Mark fashion. I'm like, let's just do this as a recording. Oh, you mean like we need just, to get you a mic. You mean like just now, Tara and I are just talking, like just chatting, catching up, and Mark literally shuts us down. He goes, stop talking, save the light banter for the podcast. <laughs> it, we're like, it, okay, it. we won't talk anymore. 
so no one remembers <laughs> exactly. how that went down. All right, let's 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 hear this. Let's thing. introduce. Yeah. So before you get into your story and the reason you're here, um, for everybody listening, can you give us a little bit of backstory? I don't think massage was your first career, so maybe talking about what you had done, how you got into massage, Absolutely. and where you're at now. Absolutely. So I um, finished high school. I went and I worked a number of different jobs. Um, I went and worked at GM in the office and I handled like, you know, freight coming in, freight going out parts and whatnot. Um, like at the plant in Oshawa? Yeah, cool. the truck plant. It was it was awesome. But I got pregnant. I was 22, had a baby. And, uh, you know, from there, it was kind of a bit of a struggle. Single mom. Mm. And um, I ended up getting a position in Newmarket doing solar panels and I ran the solar panel production line. So I kind of ran around putting out fires, fixing things, making sure everything ran right. Um, and a lot of the people on my line would say, because we were working 12 hours, monotonous, crazy, constant mm -hmm. crap. Actual it was crap. physical labor. It was crap. Unlike massage physical labor. Unlot yeah, it's not... <laughs> That's not uh, a thing. By the way, massage, if you turn that it? over, it doesn't change the sound of it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I tried, to, I tried to press the button at the same time. <laughs> um, so I was there. Um, my daughter was young and my workers would always say, oh, this hurts. Oh, this hurts. Oh, this hurts. And I would go over to the other side of the line and I was probably not allowed to do these things, but I went and I would massage them and I'd rub their muscles and I would walk away. And then 10 minutes later, they'd come and find me and they'd say, oh my gosh, Tara, I feel so much better. And, you know, everybody in my life kind of did those kinds of things, you know, hey, you know, this is hurting. I'm like, well, let me see this. And I always had that kind of intuition. How did you just become this person that everybody goes to for massage like have you always been like that person even when it comes to like how do I describe it are you have you always been the person that people come to like when they have problems or whatever like you're always that like there's something wrong Tara help me sometimes yeah a lot with like close friends um they'll ask me for my opinions or they'll ask me for you know just a hand or or what do I think it's so nice though that right? you're willing to do that you know so many times when people I mean now is a whole different story but before if someone came to me and it's like like you know oh I've got pain here I'd be like yeah you should probably go see someone about that like, <laughs> I, I would never be Sorry like about yeah, your luck. <laughs> yeah or like even when I was a personal trainer oh yeah I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to lose some weight here I'm like yeah you should probably you should probably go hire a trainer like do you know what I mean I would never just dive into it I don't I didn't care enough I don't think I just wanted my workers to be happy nice, to be completely cool. honest but there also must have been a part of you that just enjoyed doing it because I know there's some people like for example every woman I treat tells me like their boyfriend or their husband like won't give them a massage they do it for like yep. two minutes and they're like and then, oh, oh my hands hurt yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean obviously your hands didn't hurt doing it and you didn't mind doing it like did you enjoy doing it or were you I just did. like or was it just the enjoyment of helping somebody I've always wanted to help people. I've always helped people. I'm always that person that will lend that hand. So I think that's a big part of why I became a massage therapist. I looked at other careers. I looked into nursing and I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be a thing. I had <laughs> a young come, daughter come, and I'm like, come. yeah, that's not going to happen. Oh, just because of the logistics of being in like, yeah, school. Yeah. And, and like some other stuff, you gotcha, know, that gotcha, I just gotcha. wasn't into. Right, right, right. And so then when I looked at massage, I was like, ooh, that's cool. And I made an appointment and I went and I took the test and I did all the things. And they said, yeah, you can come and see us. And I was like, yeah, I don't have childcare. So it's not going to be a thing. Hmm. I didn't end up going at that point in time. Right. I got the job doing uh, the panels, the solar panels, and with 
three years in, I guess it was doing the solar panels. I said, you know what? I need a change. I need to go do this. It's time. So I made arrangements. I moved to Scarborough, uh, rented a room from a friend's mom and went with my daughter, my dog. And there we were. I started school, kind of just jumped right into it and left my position in, in solar panels. I took my daughter at that point. She was six and I took her to Disney right before I went into school. While I was at Disney, I was called and asked to participate in a beauty pageant for plus size girls because I'm a big girl. So that was crazy. And just like, had you done that before? Never, never. I was approached. Wait, wait, who approaches you? So I was approached at, (laughs) at um, Sexapalooza actually. And I was there with my friends and I was trying on this corset and this woman walks up to me and says, you just exude confidence. And I'm like, looking around thinking me. You're talking to me? Because I always felt like I was in a shell. Like I always felt that I couldn't express myself and I was always kind of like shy and in a shell because I'm a bigger girl. And she said, no, we really want to have you participate in this pageant. Like we would really love to have you. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Send me the information. And while I was in Florida, she sent me the information. And when I came back, I started school and I went into this beauty pageant like right away. Boom. The second I came back. So that's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And that was like the start of kind of the rest of my life and like the things that I've created. Before we go into that, I want to go back to you deciding, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to take massage therapy, single mom of a young daughter. So obviously you are the sole earner for Mm -hmm. this daughter. What, what went through your mind when trying to make this decision to like move your family, you know, you, your daughter, your dog to Scarborough to rent a room in somebody's house and go to school, which is, you know, tens of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. and this huge time commitment like were you terrified or was there a point where you realized like I don't have any other choice I have to do this like I want to kind of get into your your mindset through all this because I know there are people who want to make the moves you have made yeah and they're like it doesn't make I I can't you know I've got kids I'm a single parent whatever the situation is there's always obstacles tell me a little bit more about how you decided fuck it I'm doing this so at the solar panel production plant, um, it was 12-hour shifts. It was crazy. It was heavy work. It was intense. I was flinging myself under under belts and like going and fixing things before they went into huge laminators. And I was getting paid shit. Like I was getting paid shit. I curiosity. was getting paid shit. Seriously. I was getting paid minimum wage okay. working the job that I was in the title of not getting paid. Gotcha. For that title. Right, right. And I fought with the production manager all the time about me being the only female taking care of literally everybody else. All the other team leads, I fixed their problems. Mm. I went around and I did everything. And I never got the credit for it and I never got the pay. And I said, you know, enough is enough. Well, in 12 hour shifts, so then you're not getting time to spend with your daughter anyway. It was crazy. It was three days on, four days off, four days on, three days off. So, I mean, I did have those few days, Mm. but at the same time, those few days when you're working 12 hour shifts, you got to do your laundry, you got to do your groceries, you got to do all those things as a parent and still be able to spend time with your child, right? So it was just, I needed a change and I couldn't do it like this. And I knew that, um, in my research and massage that, you know, there was 
great pay rates depending on what you do and how you do it and where you work and who you work for and do you work for yourself and the flexibility and you know work less and make more and that's really what I wanted to do is to be able to spend more time with my daughter and be there for her as she grew up how was it living in was it you said your mom's friends oh it was one of my friends it was one of your friends oh one of your friend's parents how was it living in somebody else's house with your dog and your daughter. Your face tells me like that was a challenge. <laughs> it was a challenge. You know what? I'm very thankful that um, she did allow me to come and stay there. She was really welcoming um, the whole family. It was like a family of seven, which is kind of crazy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was a busy, busy house. There was three dogs. There was a bunch of cats. There was uh, like seven or eight of us in there. And that's where you'd go to study. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So I had my room and it was quite a large room. So I had my space. But, you know, like there was definitely challenges there in regards to uh, differences in opinions and they were Mormon and I was atheist, (laughs) like maybe not atheist, but like I believe in spirituality and I believe in energies and stuff like that. I don't necessarily practice religion Mm -hmm. and they very much so do. Right. So there was always those little things, you know, them taking my child to to church and I was like, okay, you know let her go but don't push things on her right Right. so like there was there were struggles in the end I ended up leaving getting my own apartment um I was there for probably just over a year and then yeah just over a year I was there and then I went and I found my own place just down the road great place um my daughter and I went there with my dog I wasn't supposed to have my dog there but (laughs) (laughs) they found out at the end didn't they (laughs) um but yeah, it was it was definitely challenging, but I knew I needed to change something mm-hmm. in order to get better and do better for my when daughter. The, when the fire has been lit under you, you'll figure out a way. You know, exactly. that's one thing that we always say to people like there's always a way. You know, always you can way. even for myself when there's things that like I can't see how this is going to be feasible, how am I going to do this? At some point, I always say to myself, you're just making excuses. Like there's always a way to figure it out. And the way isn't necessarily easy. You lived in a house with a family of seven people and a bajillion animals by the sounds of it. (laughs) But you made it work so you could go to school. Exactly. And then I'm here, right? I'm here today. And so that, that move made a big difference in my life, right? And that was really the big thing was I want to I want to do better for my daughter. I grew up in poverty and I never wanted my daughter to live that way. Like I had to pay for myself to get to school, get through school. I don't want my daughter to have to to do that. Right. right. Like so I went and I opened her up RESP and I and I have savings for her and things like that so that she's not going to struggle in regards to education. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to be able to provide more for my child than my parents were ever to do for me. They did as as much as they could and they did what they did and they worked hard. But there was a lot of us. Like I have four sisters and a brother. Mm. It's a, it's it's more of a family shrub than a tree. I have more <laughs> like one over here versus over here. Like it is a split family, but um it definitely opened my eyes when I had my daughter that I want a different life for her mm-hmm. and I have strived to provide that. And I think I'm doing pretty good now. So, <laughs> well, you're on our couch. So, exactly. How was school for you? That's always Mark's question. Sorry, I stole your question. He okay. always wants to know how you found school. Was it challenging? It was, speaking of, did you guys overlap at all? I, yeah. I probably came in to teach a couple yep. things here and there. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. you've had some experience with Mark teaching. Yes. He's the worst. Eh? No, I'm <laughs> it's horrible. I horrible. love information. <laughs> so, I am completely 
completely in love with like anatomy and the body and the way it works. And it's just so intriguing to me. So I was the kid. Well, I guess I wasn't a kid. I was a full grown adult, but I was (laughs) the one at the very front of the room. And it wasn't just because of the way the teacher looked. Maybe it was a little bit, but I was. The I know one. who your teacher was. So even better. <laughs> I was the one in the front of the room um, asking the hundred questions. I was the one who my um, schoolmates came and asked me. You know, what about this, Tara? What about that? I always had the answers, and if I didn't, I'd find it. I love knowledge. So you were really into it, like you love school. it. Awesome. I love it. I did great in in school. Mark came in. He did our business classes, and he did. I think some of the. Um, Uh, remedial exercise and stuff classes for us. And so that's where he and I actually met. Um, But I really loved school. I loved learning. I hated getting up in the morning and I hated going in. I know that 8 a.m. start is not fun. (laughs) Not not a good thing, but I loved being there and I loved learning and I still love learning. So it's just something that I'm constantly doing. I'm always looking for more information. So Put awesome. me in a classroom setting and I will be the one up your butt with my with my hand up asking Is you. That true? Is that she that student? <laughs> Did she have her hand up in my butt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That never happened. <laughs> I, you, you, don't worry, you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> what happened? What came after school? So after school, I actually waited a little while before I wrote my exams. Again, single mom. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of money. I kind of looked around. I looked for jobs. I was unemployed for a period of time. I, you know, I really just needed to make enough money to take my exam. That's really where I was. And be able to put a roof over my daughter's head and keep food in her belly and all those things that, you know, parents have to do. So I uh, ended up applying at a, at a spa, one of those (laughs) chains and, um, I was at the front desk and I thought, you know, this is a good working experience. It'll let me see how the business runs. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, learn exactly how they do everything and like what take things into um, into account for how I could possibly run for myself because I've always wanted to be self-employed, but it wasn't always an option. Right. Mm -hmm. So I always had like my few clients that I had see outside of wherever, like once I did have my license, um, I always had my few clients outside, but I was working there. It was comfortable. I was learning the ropes. I was able to see the business side of things. They actually offered me a position as the manager and I was like, sorry, I just got my license and I don't want to sit in your office all day. I want to work <laughs> where what I, what I studied for, right? Like this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So very thankful, though, that they were able to give me that. I was able to work in the front, and then I ended up going into the back and um, taking my or doing my massage, right? Being a massage therapist mm-hmm. at that point in time. And actually, they helped me so much. They actually gave me the money to take my my written exam. Oh. And I paid them back out of my paycheck every week for a number of weeks. We had a contract set up. So they were very helpful in that regard. Um, and I do still feel like, you know, they are a family to me in a sense, um, even though I'm not working there anymore. But um, they've said, you know, I am part of their family and I always will be. So it that was really nice and it was touching. But that's kind of how I entered into like the massage field professionally. Mm -hmm. So once I got my license, 
I started working in the back and then I was just always fully booked. Always. I had to open up extra slots, extra days. People just like, they always wanted to see me. And then I had one of my friends that I actually um, said to him, come and work over here because, you know, it's not just a spa. We still provide therapeutic treatments. We can still do proper treatments for people. People are still needing care. Mm -hmm. And even though it is a spa environment, they're still able to get that care. And and once he realized that, he was like, okay. And he jumped on board and he came. So I was now working with another massage therapist that was like a good, a good therapist, right? And let me tell you, I've seen a number of of questionable things in regards to massage therapists in that setting. And what type of questionable things? Yeah. Oh, good lord! If you're gonna if you're gonna tell me about like the dirty therapists who like don't clean their table and stuff, <laughs> well, there was a few people, but one guy I just never understood. He like jumped from spot to spot. It was really vigorous, and he would be like working on the traps, and then he'd jump down to the to the hamstrings, and then he'd like run around the table a few times, and it was just very confusing and not very relaxing for the person on the table. It wasn't even relaxing for me to be watching. To That's be an interesting honest. style to have when you work in a spa. I feel like since mm. most people coming there, uh, very oftentimes the goal is relaxation and you've got the roadrunner going around the table. That's <laughs> yeah, weird. There was a lot of, a lot of complaints. Um, and then there was one guy when I was pregnant, actually, when I was, when I, just before I left uh, for maternity leave and he was terrible. He stunk. He was he was a stinky guy. He was oh, an like older he gentleman. Smelled bad. And, right. and I could walk by the room and it just like waft out of the room. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how any clients can be in there. Does I anyone ever tell him that he smells? Oh, I told him. Um, my friend told him. Uh, I talked to the owner. I talked to the manager. How Everybody you, told him. How did you, how did you, I'm curious what that conversation sounds like. Mm-hmm. Cause I had to do this once. It's uncomfortable. Not, I remember when, you had a student that you had to talk oh, to about I'm, this. Oh, yes. you're talking about a, a I'm different thinking, one. I'm thinking about oh. something completely <laughs> different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Mark had a student once that um, clients were, had put in some complaints about his body odor. And so Mark had to have the conversation. Well, that was easy because it's uncomfortable. That was easy because I was an instructor at that right, time. Right. But so yeah, how do you tell a coworker, easy. dude, you But stank. I want to hear this. <laughs> because I was also put into a very strange spot being very young as a personal trainer, having to tell this really kind of alpha male um, regular at this high-end club that you smell and you, you can't come onto the floor. <laughs> like the, My boss pretty much said, uh, can you go tell him he stinks, he's got to go. But I want to hear how you did this. How did it go? What did it sound like? I mean, we're different backgrounds, so... He's older, I'm younger, he's of different ethnicity, and I'm me. And so I didn't want to step on any toes in that regard, and I didn't want to be rude by any means. But I said, you know, um, I've heard a little bit of talk (laughs) that, you know, there's this, and I've noticed it a couple times, you know, maybe um, wash your clothes a little more, maybe you could maybe ensure you shower prior to coming in. Again, that wasn't really my place. I was just a hot stone trainer. And my friend who was like the trainer trainer, yeah. um, he approached him and he just straight up said like, man, you stink. He's very straight up. He's very straightforward. Right. And he's just like, man, you stink. You need to you need to make sure you're showering before you come in and, and talk. Well, that's the thing is some people and, are going to like... There are people who definitely cannot get away with coming into work without a shower. Like I know there's some people who shower at night and then sleep and whatever and get up. 
some people don't can't get away with that. There yeah. are people who skip days when showering. Some people can't get away with that. Yeah. Like, and maybe they genuinely don't know. So I feel like they have to be told. Like, maybe they really don't know they smell bad. But yeah, yeah. The, the clothes thing. I have worked with people in the past, not even just necessarily in massage, where like I know it's just your clothes are not fresh. Yeah, like you're rewearing shirts and that shirt already smells mm-hmm. and now you're wearing it again. I've got double smell. Like they need to be told. Definitely. It's uncomfortable. It's like having something in your teeth, right? It's like, hey, you got something or you got a boogie hanging out. Like I will tell you, I will point that stuff out because God I don't you, want you walking Mark around will not. it's That's so not rude. I will, I will in certain scenarios. In some scenarios, I'll just let it go. <laughs> Right? Some scenarios, I will just let it go. No, wait, man. Mark had a really, really good friend. Always like, had something. Always had always, something in his teeth. Always. I'm like, do you ever tell? Because anytime no, I would say this guy, I'm like, dude, you got something green in your teeth. Like, it was constant. He I, always I, had something in his teeth. I don't tell him teeth. because if you always have something in your teeth, you got to fucking know at some point. <laughs> right? You got to know. Unless you don't own a mirror. Like, <laughs> like, you got to know. So imagine every fucking time you looked in the mirror, you got shit stuck in your teeth. You'd always, I would be conscious of that all the time that I'd be like, I, yeah. Yeah. Make sure. I check so my I teeth constantly I don't know why I guess everybody it depends like I guess your gums your teeth how things but I constantly have food that sticks to like I love wearing a mask like one the spot. top of yeah <laughs> there's one spot where I get food that gets stuck after I eat so even like when I finish eating I'll like drink water and like swish it around try to get it but I after I eat I always go to the mirror to make sure there isn't food stuck in that one particular spot so because I know that it's always there yeah exactly <laughs> I know I would love if somebody told me if I was walking around with stuff in my teeth yes. or something hanging out of my nose or something, you know? I want to so, know. Absolutely. <laughs> so I always tell people, I always pay that forward because I'm like, please tell me, please tell me if I do, right? If I smell bad, please let me know. I get it. Was he receptive to you and your friend when you guys had to tell him like, you stink? You know, I think he just, he was set in his ways and he was just like, I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm not going to listen to you. Oh, he didn't even care. He didn't care. He didn't care. It ended up he had to he had, he left, um, and and it was brought up to the owner a number of times that like this guy like it's unsanitary. Like it got to the point where like we saw him or I heard him in the bathroom and there was no sink running afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well that's right just away. Disgusting. Yeah, right away. I was like, you know what, trainer boy, you need to go talk to him. Owner, you need to go talk to him. Like this is to the point where like I'm ready to report this because this is just not okay. Yeah, you work in healthcare. Like Forget hygiene, healthcare. hygiene matters. I mean, yeah, how about just regular day-to-day? <laughs> no, regular day-to-day hygiene yeah. obviously matters, but I definitely have higher expectations for people in healthcare. So as an example, um, in this building, as you are aware, we have a shared washroom. Yes. There's multiple um, offices in here. At least three of them are healthcare. There's two other massage therapy clinics in here. So okay. I know that a lot of the people in this building are in healthcare. I can't tell you the number of times, and it just happened the other day, and I threw up in my mouth a little bit. This woman <laughs> comes out of the stall. She was in there when I went in, so I didn't know who was in there. I go into the stall, do my thing. I come out. I'm washing my hands. She comes out as I'm washing her hands. She turns on the tap literally like put her hands under the water as if it was acid for like one second no soap nothing turned off the taps with her hands Ugh. and then touched the door to walk out and I was like ah, what just happened like Ugh. you didn't clean anything yeah no so yeah that's that's a concern it's a big concern it's nasty that's gross wash you just your touched hands yourself I don't want you touching me. I don't want you touching anybody else. Even if even Ooh. if all she was doing in that stall was standing around and she didn't touch anything, you touch the door to come in. You touch the taps that everybody touches after they've done whatever they've done yep. in that stall. The, even just the little lock inside yeah, the stall. Yeah, disgusting. Like, 
Yuck. No, I would like you. to think the cleaners are doing a good job cleaning all those, but that's me putting my faith in other people. So no, I, I just assume everything in there is contaminated with feces <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there's no lids wrong. either, right? So I mean, if it is feces, it's probably coming out in the air. Have you yeah. seen those things? Oh, yeah. Actually, so disgusting. Yeah. How did you yeah. get here? Just, <laughs> ew. We're both know, mothers. We talk about poop all the time. It's just normal. <laughs> My son just pooped on the carpet the other day. There you go. <laughs> for for reference, guys, he's a toddler. Like this yeah, isn't like a grown a grown boy. <laughs> he's fourteen. Mom, look what I can do. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you you had some experiences at that place, seeing how other therapists operate. Well, I've heard of things, and I've seen it myself. I worked in a clinic one time where there was a therapist that um, didn't clean the table between people. Like, I mean, she would take the sheets off and put on new ones, but I was like, like these but, are standard. But see, so. I never saw it. Yeah. So that's a, like, there was not much I could do. It was just people would tell me these things. I'm like, Bleh. like, and I, no one told her. Like everyone that's telling you, hey, look what so and so is doing. Did anyone say, hey, so and so, maybe you should fucking wipe that shit down? You know what? <laughs> that that was something I asked one person. Like, has anyone brought it up to the clinic owner? I didn't feel like I should do it because I never saw her do anything like that. But yeah. I had heard things of similar to what Tara is saying about her not really washing her hands properly. I had heard about her not cleaning the table, um, reusing the same blanket for like multiple people, like things like that. But I never saw it. But once I heard it, I couldn't look at her and. I'm other curious, way does, does she not know that she shouldn't be doing that or and she just doesn't care? Or is it laziness? Or yeah. does she know? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, does she know she's not supposed to and she just doesn't give a fuck? Does her brain not work this way and she doesn't think about these things right. and therefore doesn't do them? Like, I don't get it. I don't yeah, get I don't it. I want to know. I want to. Let's call her. I mean, like. Let's call her right now. There were some directives <laughs> in, in a certain spa where it was like, if the client doesn't touch the blanket, then we reuse it and we only rewash the blankets once every couple of weeks. And I was like, once every couple of weeks. I, yeah. And I'm like, I put my foot down with so many things and I brought things to attention because I'm like, that's who I am. Right. Um, and I said, like, we have to be using bleach to wash our sheets and we have to be doing this with the blankets. Like we're not supposed to be reusing blankets. This is pre-COVID, right? COVID or no COVID, I don't want to get astounded. into somebody else's blanket, <laughs> right? Just to I was save astounded. on cost no of doing wa washing. If that's no the idea. scenario, then I would just say, like, let's just not use blankets unless a client asks yep. for one. Yep. Like yep. instead of instead of this weird ass like reusing shit and not washing shit, how about just don't use it and exactly. then just make it optional for the client if that's yep. and that's just a better way to go about doing it. Well, I think I had mentioned this before. <laughs> I I have dark colored <laughs> I have dark colored sheets and a couple of like fleece sheets so they're still sheets um and then I have blankets so in warmer months I will put like a white sheet on the bottom but then I'll use like a dark purple or brown sheet on top so at least the person feels covered but I yeah. don't have to use my heavy blankets if it's not cold in there if it's cold then I bust out the fleecy blanket yep. so I understand not wanting to use a big fleecy blanket with every person because that is a ton of but as Mark said, you just don't have to. I don't use blankets with every single person. Exactly. It depends on how cold it is in there. And yes, if they request them. 
a lot of my clients are like menopausal women. They're like, don't put that fucking blanket anywhere <laughs> near me. <laughs> I don't need any more heat. No, mm-hmm. they do not. I always ask my client, you know, do you what would you like a blanket? And even during my massage, I'll say, you know, are you warm enough? Do you need a blanket? Right, check in. And I'll check in with them. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And that's fine. And that's kind of where I go with it personally. But the whole directive of of the not with the blanket thing, I was just like- The one to two weeks thing is disgusting. (laughs) It's not okay. So I definitely- made like t- spoke to the owners they're very receptive to me she respected um what i had to say and my opinions and stuff and she still does she's asked me a lot of questions in regards to like her business and whatnot and what she could and should and what she wants to be doing and i usually just give it to her straight up like you cannot be doing this you have to be doing this and you can't do this and she does take it into account so i'm happy that she was receptive to what i had to say because i mean especially if you're not in the field and you don't necessarily know the standards of practice and you don't know exactly what things we have to uphold and the things that we have to provide in regards to treatment and care um they don't really know, right? I just don't get it. Even if the clinic owner is not a regulated healthcare professional, but everyone that works there is a regulated healthcare professional, then how's they getting away with exactly? That? Yeah. So it's one. Yes, I can. I can understand the ignorance of the clinic owner, but then that should have been squashed like within two seconds of a bunch of therapists going. Absolutely. Hey, you can't do that. Hey, you can't do that. We got to do it like this. Well, there's Tara's point of having seen some I guess if you questionable care, you therapists. Yes, right. right? Questionable so. therapists. In regards to their treatment, in regards to their practice, in regards to, you know, all of it. Things I heard, you know, a few things I saw that I addressed and then things were changed, right? But I'm always like, in a sense, when it comes to my clients, by the book, right? Like, I'm not going to reuse sheets. I am like, even I've had clients, their husband and wife, and they're like, oh, just leave the sheets. I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm. No, you get a fresh set because that's how it goes. You know, I'm going to clean the table in between. I'm going to give you the fresh set. And they're like, oh, it's just more laundry for you. I don't care. I tried to pull that with a height. That's why why I charge you 150 Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's fine. I have the sheets with me. You can totally use them. That's why they're here. I tried to pull that with uh, my kid's dental hygienist. Like, not to reuse the tools, obviously, (laughs) but because of COVID, they've increased um, the sanitization process, right? So, basically, they finished with one of my kids in the chair, and then... Um, she asked us to leave the room so she could disinfect the whole room. And I was like, it's her sister going next. Can't you just use new tools? Like she can get on this chair that her sister was just on. Yeah. She And she was like, no, we can't. So we had to leave the room so she could disinfect the whole place and then bring all the of same us back, people in. back in. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, at least I know you guys are super clean here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was aggressive. You think you think they did that more just for show? You know what? Maybe. And maybe it was also there's no because there's but maybe that. it's also because that's the protocol there and like she's the hygienist, right? She's working there. She works for the dentist. Okay, like okay. she's, you know, she's just like, let me do what I've been told to do mm. where I disinfect everything between patients. And I was like, but we're like all in here right now. Like it's yeah. one it's kid is getting people. off. Can we put the same kid on and just <laughs> new tools? Like I know you have fresh tools there. No. We can't do that. Wow. Really clean place. Dedicated. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's good. At least you know when you go in, it's going to be clean, right? Yep. I have no questions (laughs) about their cleanliness there. (laughs) Anyway, so once you, uh, I want to get into this whole story. Like, I don't, how long have you been a therapist? You said not that long. I got my license finally in 2018. 
Okay. So you had a couple of years before COVID. And I know that the reason you wanted to come in here, and this is, don't tune out now, people, this is not a whole thing about COVID, but COVID helped you change around your life a little bit, right? It really did. Yeah. Um. So I got pregnant, left my spa in September. I left five days before I had my son. Um. So I worked and I was working 30 hours a week. Day pregnant nine months like I was go 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 um I left I went on mat leave I extended my mat leave because I was terrified like I didn't know what this was all this stuff was new COVID had was hitting and you know it was like oh my gosh I have a newborn baby I have to protect him I have my my daughter and you know I was scared I'm a bigger girl I have a couple of health like underlying health conditions I'm like who knows how it would affect me if I were to actually get this so I extended my mat leave by six months without pay so I went through all my savings um, ended up having to go on uh, government assistance um, afterwards actually that's a little bit later so I went back to work after my 18 months I worked for three months everything was good you know all the protocols were in place I felt comfortable that was fine Mm -hmm. July, I fell down my stairs, broke my ankle in three places, and oh, refractured an old fracture. So I was stuck at home again <laughs> in a cast this time. So this is the point where I, I went through all of my savings as well. Anything I had left um, went through everything. And then it was to the point where like I didn't really have any other choices. I had to go on to government assistance. Mm-hmm. I had to keep a roof over my kid's head. I had to do what I had to do. And that's what it's there for, right? And I didn't want to, but I bit the bullet and I did what I had to do. Um, then in October, so I, I've had, this is a like, very, very short period of time. Um, I think it was mid-September that I I went to government assistance. And then in October, I got COVID. So um, my boyfriend who brought it home to me from his family, who his mom works as a nurse. So we're assuming that that's where, you know, everything kind of came from. Um, So then he brought it to us. Uh, My little guy got sick. He was the least affected. He just had a little bit of a fever. He was he was good to go for the most part. My daughter, she had more of like a sinus kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. And, you know, she felt she felt tired and she stayed in bed for a couple of weeks. But I got hit quite hard. Again, I, I am a bigger girl. I do have a couple of underlying health conditions. And so on day six, I started having breathing problems. And by day 10, I was like, I have to go to the hospital. I went into the hospital. They kept me for like 10 to 12 hours. Um, and they did all the tests that they needed to do. They did chest x-rays and blood. I was extremely dehydrated because my son was still nursing. Um, and he just wanted to do that all day long because he wasn't feeling he good wasn't either, feeling right? Well, yeah. So I was extremely dehydrated. Uh, they did my swab. They did all all the things that they needed to do. And it came back the next day. Yep, I'm positive. They sent me home with um, a couple puffers and um, a medication and to take for like four or five days. So I went home the next day. It was really bad again. And my oxygen. Oh, they sent me home with the oxygen monitor mm-hmm. for your finger, right? The O2 oximeter or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. Um, they 
said, if my O2 drops below 90, I need to go back to the hospital. Well, during that night, my oxygen had dropped down to 80 a number of times and I was so scared. So the next day, got a phone, made some phone calls, got a ride, had my kids watched. um, And I was released from the hospital. They said everything was fine after they did all the stuff that they needed to do. Um, They said I was good to go. So away I went. So this is day 11. By day 11 to 14, I was participating in when a self-employment program. When your oxygen drops like that, what were you feeling? So it was in the middle of the night and I couldn't breathe. Like I was having a lot of trouble breathing. Um, I had to sit up. I couldn't lay when flat. You, when you said you had trouble breathing, is it is it the sensation of you can't get enough air in? What's the sensation like when you say you can't, you're having difficulty breathing? So it was like a shortness of breath and then it was a pain upon deep inhalation. So I couldn't get that full amount of breath in as well as I felt like I was constantly trying to to breathe harder, but then it hurt. And it's almost like my lungs wouldn't expand any longer. I was kind of at that limit, but the pain was, was, it was, it's very hard to explain. It's very deep and very like almost, almost stabbing in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Just really hard, just really hard to take that deep breath in and never feeling like you're fully getting that full inhale um, because of the pain. So that um, it was scary. I thought I was going to end up on a vent, to be completely honest. I was very scared. When they sent me home, I was so happy, but I was still a little scared. My oxygen never dipped low again. When I was at the hospital, my oxygen was like 95. And and since then, it's it's never dipped again. And I do monitor it. Usually, I usually have my Apple Watch on. But um, it it was really eye-opening in that in that week day 10 to 14 was was the worst time um and i was participating in an online program um that was affiliated with the BACD which is the business advisory center of durham region um and they there was a self employment program that was running i was participating in that i had to excuse myself a couple times i had to leave early and go to the hospital um but i was still there i still participated 9 a.m. until like 1 o'clock in the afternoon 2 o'clock in the afternoon and uh, on day 14, I started feeling better. Not 100% quite yet, but I was feeling better. Day 15, complete turnaround. So that was my, like, I say that my number one, my day one of of being over COVID. So I got released from self-isolation and uh, I just had all this energy. I was feeling great. It was It was incredible. I literally went into my bedroom and I emptied it. And it was, it was like, I call it during beginning of COVID, like before I got sick, I call it my dark time because like, (laughs) it was just not good. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit depressed. I was scared. I was living in fear, really, like to be completely honest. And I think a lot of people were because in the beginning, we had no information, right? What is this? We're watching the news that's basically saying like, you know, people in China are dropping like flies just walking around like you're you're fucking terrified it's at this terrifying. moment like so if i get this i'm literally just gonna like stop breathing and die like that's that's the way people were scary. thinking at the beginning it was scary yeah. totally scary so i had like 
not, I, I'd do all my laundry and stuff, but I'd leave it in my basket and it would just sit there in my room and I would never put it away. And, you know, things just started piling up. So once I got this like feeling of good again, and it was almost like I had a new lease on life and I was like, I'm, I just feel amazing and I just want to do everything. So I, emptied every single thing in my room. I washed my walls. I washed my floor. I pulled my windows out. I pulled my, my washed all the frames. I pulled the screens out. I cleaned everything like spick and span, completely changed my room around, got rid of so much, or at least I've put it aside um, because I am donating some stuff, which I, I'll talk about later. But um, I basically just changed my whole room. I pulled my entire walk-in closet apart, made that my son's room so that now we have a little bit of separation. Um, I just kind of just went through my whole house and just full of energy, ready to go. Um, Just always go, go, go. It was kind of nuts. And I always had something on my mind. I couldn't sleep at night. Three hours of sleep every night. Hence um, you and Mark having conversations at three o'clock and Mark in the morning. Having conversations early, early in the morning. Yeah. Um, but my mind was always going and I always had more ideas. So, you know, I started doing things that I didn't necessarily think that I would ever be able to do. I went and I looked at a house and I was like, you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on my own and I'm gonna buy this house because it has a perfect little treatment room and I had my heart set on it. And I was told by um a family member like Mark was talking about earlier, somebody that just says, no, 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 you can't do it. You can't do it. Um, So a family member told me, you know, you're never going to get a mortgage. Well, I got a mortgage. I was a pre-approved for a mortgage for 600K. And I don't have the best credit because I lived off credit cards during school. Right. right? So I didn't have all that stuff dealt with. And, you know, it didn't really look great. It didn't look terrible, but it didn't look great. And I was just told I wouldn't be able to do it. Well, I did it. And then when I went and told them, they said, well, you're never going to get the down payment. And I said, well, let's see. I talked to 20 people. I talked to 20 people and the 20th person bit and told me that they would fund me. We would find a way, whether it was, you know, they own the house, I own the house, we co-own, I rent to own, whatever, but they would pay my down payment, 150 to 175K. They were just going to help me out. It was actually my landlord. So they know that I'm good in paying my bills. <laughs> so that was good. And they also own a number of rental properties and they were in the the um in the the midst of finding somewhere else to purchase, to rent out anyhow. So we're both kind it of kind in of the same boat. Out. It kind of worked out that way. Now we haven't gone forward because I was told that if I just work on things for six months, um, my credit will look good enough. Everything will look good enough that I will be able to get it by myself without having to have anybody else involved, whether it be for the down payment, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the way I'm I'm going to go anyhow. Um, but I went and I bought a, a brand new Honda Pilot, um, I, or I tried to at least, 2020 uh, Honda Pilot. I spent two and a half hours in the... Um, in the dealership negotiating. And this would not be me before. Before I'd be told, oh, well, this is the price. And I'd be like, okay, I'll pay the price. No, not anymore. I'm not putting up with any shit anymore. Literally, I will call your ass out. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I have a new lease on life. I'm I'm like new, new perspective, everything. So spent two and a half hours, an hour and 
an hour with the salesman, an hour and a half directly with the sales manager. And this man was so heated and he was so frustrated with me because I was cool, calm and collected. And I was like, well, what, what else can you do for me? This is what I want. What are you going to do? I'm two sales because I'm trading my car in and I'm going to purchase. So what can you do? He got so flustered at one point that he stood up and he put his hands at his head and he said, I need to take a walk. I am sweating. You are making me sweat right now. And he left. He walked away. He was very loud speaking. It was like a show for the rest of the the, the dealership. Like everybody was watching. <laughs> it was it was almost embarrassing, but it was kind of funny at the same time. I'm like, well, what else can I do here? What else can I get out of these guys? Right. Just just even pushing myself in the whole negotiating factor because I've never been that person. I am not that person. I bring Mark with me. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was me. That was me. My boyfriend, he uh, he owned a dealership. So he gave me some of the ins and outs and like things that I could say and do. So I kind of went back and called him a couple times and like, okay, well, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And oh yeah, we agree. Okay, let's go do it. So um, ended up, they at the end of it, they wanted like 27 grand down and I talked to a few other dealerships and they're like, that's really slimy, especially because the vehicle is only like 41K. So like what's going on here? And I said, okay, you know what? I called them. I walked in. I said, I'm taking my deposit back. And they're like, well, why? And I told them, well, I'm getting a brand new one over at this dealership and uh, they're not making me pay 27K down for a used car. So I'm going to go with them. It's the right color. It's what I want. And it's the top of the line. So that's where I'm going to go. And he was just like his jaw dropped. Well, how did you do that? I said, well, I paid off all of my debt over the weekend, every single penny. So it looks really good on my credit now, but you guys screwed up. So I'm out. Bye-bye. So... He, he, he didn't like that too much. Hmm. He didn't like that too much. And, and that's kind of how I paid my credit off. That's kind of going back to July. So my girlfriend in July, when I broke my ankle, uh, she got me into crypto. So I didn't know anything about it. And she said, you know, I want to help you. I want to help you create financial freedom. And, you know, I've been doing this and I've made 40K. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Like, that's awesome. She's like, I'm going to send you $500 in crypto. After fees, it came out to like 380 bucks. So I had an account. I opened up an account, had my account on, on I use Coinbase. And, um, you know, she sent me the, the crypto and I was kind of just sitting on it. She's like, this is the coin you're going to use. This is what you're going to do. Okay. So I sat on it and I sat on it and I sat on it and it grew and it grew. And from then until what? So uh, I guess it would have been mid-November, just early to mid-November. It grew from $380 to almost 30K. So in my five months, I made, you know, almost 30K. And she said, if you make money, pay it back. If you lose it all, don't worry about it. And I'm not that person. So I said, you know what? Regardless, you're going to get your $500 back. She's got her $500 back now. So it's all good. Um the whole market's gone into a dip at this point, but it's just the season and it's all going to go up. But I pulled money and I paid off all my debt and I I made some purchases that I needed to make in my home and, you know, did some Christmas shopping and little things that, you know, I needed to do. Um, but in in regards to to COVID, like after COVID, I cleaned everything up, like my whole life up in regards to my house, in regards to any debts I owed, whether it be to businesses or like 
like credit cards or um, personal debts. Like I went back like 20 years and I said like anybody who bought me a set of wiper blades, like I sent them money. I've paid off everybody that I can ever think of that I ever owed just because I don't want to be that person to ever owe. I was never in a position where I could go and pay it off. So now that I was, I, I figured, you know what? Why not do it? Right? Like I want to clear my name and just have that authenticity that mm-hmm. I always try to have. And I just fixed all, wrote all my wrongs. Basically, I, I talked to people who I didn't have relationships with. Like I've been estranged from my father for six years and I reached out to him and I said, listen, we need to talk and we need to fix this because, you know, time, there's only so much time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've repaired a number of relationships. Was repairing these relationships difficult? Like in other words, were these people receptive or were they like, fuck off? They were, you know, really receptive. I think that since, since everything happened, I, uh, I'm able to communicate a lot clearer. You know, when you have a conversation and then later on you're like, shit, I should have said that. I don't really get that anymore. I'm usually like pretty on the ball and I can pretty much say exactly what I'm thinking, even though my mind goes a mile a minute. So I was like hyperdrive, right? Up all night, studying everything, doing everything I could, paying off everything, all these things. So somehow on that 15th day or day one for you, yep. like after having COVID and being pretty sure that you were either going to get very, very sick or die, yep. suddenly you decided like, fuck man, I need to fix my life. And you like in a number of months paid off like, hun- like not months, the sounds of it. Days. Right. 14 days. We're on day, I want to say 22 right now, post COVID, like post me off of a self-isolation. So you basically in a number of days paid off tens of thousands of dollars to people, businesses, wherever, decided, I'm not going to be poor me. I can't own anything. Figure out a way to get approved for a mortgage, to get a car, all of the stuff that, again, people listening who might be in your situation who think it like, we we see it all the time. I I hear it all the time. All the time. People saying, I could never do that. There's no way I could ever own a house. There's no, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I understand, like, it's not that these things are easy, but instead of having the I can't, and I think that listening to stories like this hopefully will like put a light bulb off in someone's mm-hmm. head that instead of saying I can't, figure out this is what I want. How can I? Exactly. And it's it might not happen in 20 something days. This is like a Cinderella story. That, you know, <laughs> whoever's really listening, is. this is, yeah. It's possible. It's not always normal, but it is possible. Right. right? So, I, But I mean, I think it's just the decision that you made, even with starting with clearing out your room. I like that piece too, because um, I have gone through periods. I mean, everyone has, right? I, I think some people, maybe it's more severe or whatever, but I've gone through seasons of my life of being just in a rut down. I've never been like diagnosed with any kind of like clinical depression or anything. Like yeah. I know I deal with anxiety, but there's certain seasons of my life where I know that because of what's happening inside of me, I will let things go. You mm-hmm. know, like you said, the piles of laundry that mm-hmm. just sit there and I'm like, I don't even have the fucking capacity to deal with that right now. The Meanwhile, energy. it would take me yeah. what, 10 minutes to fold it and put it away. But it, it that seems way too daunting and it's too overwhelming with everything else going on in, in my head, really. Absolutely. It's nothing to do with anything other than what's going on in my head. But I think even that piece of you deciding, like, I'm going to clear out my room, it's this symbolic way of like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to mm-hmm. get rid of stuff that doesn't serve me. I'm going to clean things up. I'm going to make this space more Mine. functional so that you can focus, right? Yeah. So 
This is kind of crazy. I didn't realize it was so quick. It's crazy. Like I know you it's told intense. Mark COVID turned my life around. I thought, you know, you may have had COVID like a year ago and here we are talking to you a year no, out. No, no, no. You had COVID 20 minutes ago and <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. I just, you know, once I started feeling better, I just had this hyper focus and this hyper drive and this like motivation and determination that I am going to do everything I want to do. I am alive and I'm going to take full advantage of that because I lived the fear that what I was struck with in regards to COVID is gone. Like I'm not scared anymore. I lived and yes, you can get it again. Yes, this and that. But the fact that I overcame it and I was able to to move forward and now here we are today, which is crazy because there's a whole bunch of other things that I've done. Um, it's It's almost surreal to me even. And, and even when I was telling Mark about it, I was just like, I can't believe I've done these things like, and I'm doing these things and I'm moving forward with these things. Like if you want something, regardless of who tells you you can't, or if you believe you can't, like you just need to believe in yourself. If you want it and you want it bad enough, do it, go after it, find a way, talk to people, Honestly, talking to people makes a such a big difference. 100%. Such a big difference because everybody has a different perspective. Everybody has lived a different life and has experienced different things yep. and can give you a different perspective on exactly what you're doing. The different perspectives are so valuable and it's approaching people with an open mind when you're having discussions. You know, I think I had mentioned this on another episode that I was having a discussion with a woman that um, she's a friend of mine and she does energy work, like energy mm -hmm. healing. And her and I were talking and she said to me, like, girl, you have PTSD. You need to book an appointment with me because of, you know, just some stresses that were going on in my life. But I never ended up booking the appointment with her. But just in that discussion we had, we started talking about things like finances and life plans and goals and this and that. And some of the things she said to me, like, well, why do you think that this couldn't work for you? Or what about trying this or this option? Or And I was like, I never really thought about that. Like just mm -hmm. things that, you know, somebody else from the outside could say like, well, why isn't this an option for you? Like, yeah. Huh. And it's not being, it, I think it was for me um, previously probably being, I don't know if it was a pride thing, you know, my ego, like, mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't want to admit to other people that I'm struggling in certain areas. So I'll just keep it to myself. And when you are struggling, you can't really see how many opportunities you exist, right? On. You have blinders on. Yep. So being able to just open up and say like, fuck, man, this is what I want, but I don't know how to get there. Somebody else might be able to say, have you tried this option? Have you talked yep. to this person? Have you looked into this? And it was just that one conversation with her that I was like, huh, I do have options. I don't have to feel like this stressed out. So anyway, if you're listening, thank you. I will book an appointment with you. I promise. I keep saying that. <laughs> She's like, man, pay me. <laughs> Come see me. <laughs> Talking to people makes a big difference. I found that, you know, like I said, I had the family member who said, oh, you can't, you can't, you can't. Um, she asked me about my business plan and I have all these ideas in regards to my massage practice. And uh, I'm super excited about it. And she stopped me and she said, you need to stop. You're giving me anxiety. You sound like you're on drugs. And I was so offended. I was like, what? That's a her problem, though, not a you totally problem. Totally a her if problem. If she's getting anxious because of your plans, that's okay because you're It is what it is, right? right? I'm confident. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. And like, it's my excitement. Well, she wasn't 100% wrong. Not that I do drugs, but. <laughs> and scene. And, and scene. <laughs> 
No, she wasn't 100% wrong because I've since found out that I am currently um, suffering from a post-COVID disease. So I think that I personally have had this going on my whole life and it's just what my doctor couldn't put the pieces together. And then having COVID, it has just brought it out more so. So, um, and part of it is a massive influx of adrenaline being dumped into your bloodstream. So I was so go, 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 so much energy. Ah, the adrenaline. But I was I was on epinephrine, norepinephrine is just running through my veins and I was just going crazy. So not crazy, but I was just like, let's go. Hyperdrive, right? <laughs> I'm going to take all these things on and I'm going to do them all. And I did them all. So, I mean, that's a good side and a bad side at the same time. Um, but I'm just actually still going through diagnosis. It's called POTS, um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So basically it's an autonomic nervous system dysfunction where your body cannot regulate certain things. So you're sweating, your um, blood flow, you're standing from sitting position, laying to standing position. Um, your blood can't pump and flow everything the way it needs to. Tachycardia, my heart rate at rest was sitting between 120 and 170 beats Holy per crap. minute. I was a freaking hummingbird. Now, the past like four days, I've I've come down a little bit from that and I don't have as much like adrenaline surges going on. But um, it is still a concern that obviously anytime I start feeling stress, I start getting more adrenaline. The cortisol causes the, the adrenaline to start kicking in. So it's it's a matter of just having to be mindful of it and being calm and and you know that kind of thing. But um you know just don't listen to people. <laughs> just don't listen to people and what they have to say. I, like that. I mean, they're negative sides of things, right? Um but I mean in those first 14 days I put an offer on a house. I decided fuck the corporate world. I am done working for people making a third of what I can make on my own. I'm not doing it anymore. And I have 100% set out on my own in my massage practice. Um, just like I'm ready to grow. I have, you know, everything on the go. I have my website and my socials are being worked on as we speak and everything's just kind of coming together. And it is busy season, right? For our, for all of us at RMTs, this is busy season, busy it's busy season. Easy. It's busy. <laughs> it's busy season. So, I mean, I have all of my clients that are very loyal to me that like have said, I will follow you wherever you go, no matter what, because like you're, you're it for me. So I do have a number of clients as it is, but I am, you know, doing things to get out there and, and be seen more so. Um, so I tried to buy the car. I, which I am still buying a new one though. I wasn't I wasn't totally bluffing when I said I was going to another dealership. <laughs> um but I've created like 12 streams of income in 14 days and I don't know how the hell I did that, but I did it and I you know I went and I bought a Cricut. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like a, a craft kind of machine. It cuts vinyl. I do know it what cuts, a Cricut is. So cool, right? I only just learned by it's the way. It's so cool. It's a super cool machine and it cuts like a hundred different things. Mark has to go and look it up. Well, my, my best friend just told me that like, she was like, I'm thinking that maybe I should just buy myself a cricket. And I'm like, you're going to have to be more specific. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? So she taught me what it was. <laughs> yeah, they're super cool. You can literally do anything. You can cut a hundred different things. It's like leather. You can engrave metal. You can cut wood veneer. Like there's, it's so cool. 
the welcome signs that you see out of everybody's house. You can do those things, t-shirts, anything, embroidering. You can make um, and cut material and make, you know, purses and bags and all sorts of stuff. So like the Oh yeah, I know know we're all getting homemade gifts from her if she buys the cricket. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. That's my whole family too, but they're not going to listen to this. So um, not yet anyways. but yeah, super cool. So I've be, been able to create a couple of side businesses in regards to with this machine. Um, I'm doing a t-shirt business with my um, with one of my friends. She's like she's kind of like a family member. It's my daughter's son's mother. Um, so we're we're doing a, a business, a t-shirt business. I have the machine. She has the ideas. So we're just going to collab. So we have contracts going for that right now. Um, my crypto and then everybody wants to know about what I do with crypto. So I'm looking into the whole side of advising in regards to the cryptocurrency stuff. And so that's like a whole other, whole other residual income, right? Are you sure you're not still on adrenaline? (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. I really, it would be a little faster and I wouldn't be taking breaths. (laughs) in between. So let me ask you, because there's definitely going to be people who ask who ask this question or who are thinking this then. You know, the family member who was saying, no, 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 no. Obviously, you want to shut down negativity. You don't need that in your life. Yeah. Is there something to be said, though, considering now you do know that you are dealing with this post-COVID and, you know, do you ever worry that you're not thinking clearly? Do you ever think there, do you have people in your life who are like the grounding people, the realists who say like, okay, Tara, I I see where you're going. Yeah. Let's breathe for a second. And let's, do you feel like you need those people? Do you feel like you have those people? So my sister, actually, she, when I did this stuff, um, and I was just going through, you know, all of the, all of the waves of, of what, I was doing, um, she stopped me and she said, you know, I'm worried about you and I'm scared. And I think, you know, you might be having a reaction to the medication or something like that. And, you know, I really appreciated that she reached out and said that she didn't want me to be mad at her. And like pre-COVID, I would get mad at the drop of a hat. I don't get mad anymore. Like I'm very cool and calm and collected. And I said, you know, I appreciate that you you've reached out, but I don't believe that that's the issue. But I am looking into like, why is this happening? Like what is going on in my body that is causing me to feel this way? Right. So definitely needed, like maybe not needed, but I definitely appreciated her reaching out and being concerned for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it did have me look into things that she thought maybe I was dealing with. Like she thought maybe I had hypomania. Her her husband had actually dealt with that. So she had first firsthand witnessed right. it. So and she she's had like, a reason for concern. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like, you know, I'm worried that this is maybe what's going on. And so in, you know, talking to doctors and stuff like that, we ruled out hypomania and mania in general. And, um, you know, all the decisions and all the things that I'm doing, I'm taking it very informed. So I will stay up, don't sleep, right? So I would stay up all night and I did research about literally the area, the this, the that, like anything that you could research in regards to the decision I was going to make Mm -hmm. and move forward being informed. So Well, that's good to know so that people listening don't just think you decided on Tuesday, I'm going to buy a house and put an offer in on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. This house was perfect though. Like it really was. There was stairs going up, you walk right in and it was a treatment room already basically sitting there put together. There was ceiling to floor, um, cupboards, there was a little powder room, there was um, 
like a walk out to the backyard where I was like, oh, I'll put a hot tub out there. You know, I can let my clients <laughs> sit in a hot tub first. And, you know, I have all these ideas in regards to my practice that I'm not going to share everything, but um, it, it was just really perfect. It was like, I can just drop my table and just hit the ground running and just go. So I was very, very ready to just jump in and do that. But after some thought and, you know, well, what is the cost? And like, what does that really mean to me? And is it really worth it? You know, what could I get for the same amount? I really took the time and and made the decisions and thought about everything from all different perspectives. And um, I decided I wasn't going to fully go through with it, right? So right. I, I pulled my offer. I didn't end up going through with anything. Um, and I just you know what I'm taking again talking to people taking different perspectives into into account and then the research and all of the other things on top of still it. exciting though to know that somebody who went from living in complete fear to being on government assistance was able to get to the point where you were going to get approved for a mortgage right like that is in itself enough I hope for motivation for people that don't immediately shut something down. Like, yeah, look at your options, talk to people. There's there's usually a way. There's a way. If there's a will, there is a way. I would suggest going and talking to a broker um, because they can kind of just like put things together and give you a, a perspective on what it looks like for you. If you wanted to get a mortgage, like the rate that that I was given, the interest rate was not a pretty rate. Like they gave me like 8% for six months and then they'd drop it to three. But I was like, oh, well, could I do that? Could I handle it? Could I manage? Da, 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 right? So I kind of, they said there's there's a mortgage out there for everyone is what they said. Now you are going to pay a pretty penny in regards to the interest rate, Mm -hmm. depending on your situation, right? And it may just be a short-term thing. It may be a longer-term thing. Like everybody's different in regards to like where they are in life, but definitely like don't ever discount anything. Like anything that you want, go for it. Go for it. Mark's just sitting there taking pictures because he's like, yeah, I've been saying this my whole life. <laughs> Everything's possible. <laughs> it is. It truly yeah, is. Everything is. Like possible. anytime we, him and I are discussing certain things, you know, we might look at things like um, a dream home or a dream cot or whatever it is, you know, yeah. sometimes we're looking at things and then sometimes the realist in me comes out and I was like, well, if we did this, then this and this, and, this, and he will at some point just shut me down and say like, anything's possible. And Another thing to remember is where you are right now isn't necessarily where you're going to be in three, and hopefully it's not where you're going to be in three years, right? So even if right now something isn't possible, the idea is you decide you want it and you make the long game. You take the steps steps to get to where you want to be. So three years from now, you can be sitting on a patio having a beer with your friends and like, remember the time that uh, I thought I couldn't be a homeowner? And here we are. Yeah. Look at my nice house. Look at, here we are. Look at my hot tub. Right? Just kidding. I'm already in the hot tub. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. So tell me what, what was your, I guess, motivation in reaching out to Mark? Why did you want people to hear this story? I just figured because I mean, if I had heard something like this, I probably would have thought, holy crap, like that's, how did this person do that? But at the same time, I would have been inspired. And really what I want to do is help people and I want to inspire people. And I want to be able to lift people up and say like, you can do whatever you put your mind to. It may take some time. It may take some steps. You may need to do, you know, things in first in order to get to where you want to go. But no matter what it is, like it is possible. Um, 
I love helping people. I mean, in my career, that's what I'm doing. I'm helping people. Um, and just in general, I'm helping people like my friends and family right now in crypto to become financially free. I want to see everybody do good. And then, you know, I have all of these other plans for when my crypto explodes because it is, it's, it's teetering on that ready to rocket kind of thing. Um, you know, I have plans for, homeless shelters that are created and run by the homeless like and there's the segue <laughs> yep so like my my cousin he was he was a street kid he he passed earlier this year and he and I actually had a mutual friend and I didn't realize it so when he passed and I reached out to the mutual friend and I was like you know I didn't know you knew my cousin and he gave me so much information and and ideas into how he lived and who he was. And he was an outreach worker for the homeless people. He wanted to help people as well. And, you know, he he had his demons and and it it got the better of him. But um, you know, I would like to create something in regards to him for him and like in his legacy, right? So like go and talk to people who are living in these conditions and say, what do you need? What do you want? Because I know that a lot of times they don't want to go to the shelters. They don't want to go into these places because they feel demeaned and they don't feel comfortable and they feel judged. And I would rather create something where it's been created by them and what they need and what they want and be able to, you know, give them exactly what they need, where they're not feeling judged, where they can be employed. Right. So even if it's like just a coordinate a coordinator or something like or people checking off names as they're coming through the door, they can be people who are from the street. They can, you know, and and help the community in itself. Um I'm actually doing a research paper. I'm working with uh the tattoo community. I've sent out my pitch and and he's interested. So we are I want to do something in regards to their their ergonomics and you know. I'm a, a tattoo tattoo therapist. Good lord, tattoo artists. It is therapy. They, <laughs> yes, tattoo artists. Um, they contort themselves in such a oh, way, yeah. right, for so many hours on end, and it just intrigues me that like they can do these things, and I want to see the correlation in their job and their contortion in regards to their muscles and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I've given my pitch, and he's like, "Yeah, let's do this." So. I'm going to move forward and work with that and create a research paper. Another thing um, is in regards to the POTS, in regards to the disease, um, my son nursing, he actually was quite affected by nursing while I was so, had the massive amounts of adrenaline. Um, he would go on like a hyperdrive and then he would come down. So essentially he was getting high from my breast milk. and. The doctors didn't know anything. There's not much study or correlation in regards to uh, adrenaline being passed through the breast milk. But like caffeine, I mean, same kind of thing, same idea, right? So I am trying to create a research paper in regards to that to submit to the medical board and see if we can get more doctors and people looking at this. Because like POTS is extremely... um common in post-COVID infections. 80% of people who have recovered from COVID are, are affected by POTS in some degree, whether they know it or not. Um, 
for me, it was more extreme. For some people, you know, it might just be something that, you know, they get up and they feel a little lightheaded, but they're never going to put that together, mm-hmm. right? So 80% of people who have recovered from it um, have symptoms to some degree of, of POTS syndrome. So um, in regards to nursing mothers, like, if you are having adrenaline surges and your child is having ups and downs, like my son was having massive tantrums and fits and it just wasn't, wasn't his characteristic. So, um, I just would really like to bring more, more, uh, knowledge and more awareness to nursing mothers and pots and the correlation in regards to, um, the epinephrine and norepinephrine, um, and how it affects nursing children. So that's a whole other side to things. You are doing so many things. So many things. Um, I would like you, because I know there was um, like a charity that you're starting to work with right now. Yes. I would like you to give that information um, before we wrap up, because I think that's really important. I think a lot of people are thinking about working with charities, especially this time of year. Somehow yeah. it gets way more on people's minds right now. Yes. So um, tell me what it is you're 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 doing with Uh, the charity right now? So in cleaning out my whole house, you know, I have all these baby pieces, all these clothings and, you know, house stuff. And I reached out to a girl that I modeled with when I was, when I was doing modeling. And um, she has created this charity. It's called Uplift, um, U-P-L-I-F-T. Essentially, it started off as like a junk removal service. And then she's created it into this this charity where she she provides goods to women who are starting over. So whether that be from an abusive relationship or, you know, they were kicked out of their home or whatever. Um, so I am donating like all of my belongings for the most part um, out to her. And she is based out of Durham region, um, Whippy Oshawa area. It's called Uplift Junk Removal Service. You can look them up on YouTube, Uplift Junk Removal. Uh, her name is Chanel Sedgmore, and uh, she's just she's doing a lot of really, really incredible things um, in regards to it. She is working with the Bethesda House in Bowmanville, uh, the the Denise House. She's working with uh, the Black communities in Toronto, in Oshawa. She is uh, she's serving Christmas dinner in Oshawa on Christmas Day. Um, they walk around, they feed the homeless, it would, they give blankets and socks and whatnot mm-hmm. within the Durham region. Um, and she is just starting to work with Cornerstones, which is a homeless short, a homeless shorter, mm-hmm. a homeless, I think it's a homeless shelter. <laughs> yeah, it's a homeless shelter, a homeless shelter in Durham region. Um, and she's trying to create a space for men who have been abused. So, you know, we don't really hear about that very often for men who are abused. It's usually shelters for women who are abused. Um, but she's really creating this massive, this massive thing that's just like so in my heart, like it makes my heart flutter. It makes me so like happy and ecstatic that she's doing all these things for these people and that I get to be a part of it and I get to help. That's a lot of things, man. Mm-hmm. What I what I like about your story is like, I mean, all, all we've been hearing about the last two years is COVID, 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 right? And I think a lot of people are just exhausted by it. Yeah. I'm not saying like, oh, let's all go out and get COVID. It'll turn our life around. But it no, is. Please don't. <laughs> it is wonderful to hear that, you know, 
there was a positive that came out of that. Like, I mean, obviously you were really sick. That was a really shitty situation you yeah. were in. And like you did everything possible to take the precautions to not get COVID. And yep. then you did. And that that's unfortunate. But on the bright side, it on made you side. realize that the way you were living was not really serving you, right? It like wasn't. you were you were sort of just going through life, making enough money to feed your kids and keep complacent. a roof over their head. And it, it was complacent. It was right? complacent. It was comfortable. I didn't have to do anything but go and treat my clients. And and I'm just tired of that life. I'm just, I have, I, I'm alive and I'm going to live every day like it's my last because I thought I possibly saw close to my last day and I'm never going to let that be a thing again, ever. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing big things and I will be doing big things. And um, really all I just want to do is help people. So um, if anybody out there has, you know, donations or whatever for people, go and check out Uplift Junk Removal Services, um, Uplift on YouTube and uh, my new website, Tara, T-A-R-A-H, Campbell.rmt.ca, that'll be up and running soon. So if you're ever interested in like the things that I'm doing in my practice, you'll be able to see on there what I'm what I'm doing and, and things that I'm affiliating myself with. But yeah, I just really want everybody, hopefully, to be inspired right and do what they can do. Do what you want to do. Like live your life. Don't be struck by fear. Don't be, I mean, COVID is a thing. Obviously, it's scary and it is, you never know the outcome, but you still got to live, right? Like we still have to live every day. Like it's our last really, right? And just love everybody. Love your family. Love the people around you. Ask for help when you need help. You know, take the help when it's offered and uh, don't ever let anybody get you down when they tell you you can't do something because there's going to be somebody out there or a number of people out there that are going to tell you that you can. So just be inspired and do what you got to do to be the best you you can be. I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. Thanks. Thanks for coming by. This was good. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.